0: Good evening, it is good again to see you here uh, this evening and the close of the day that we are able to come back together and to worship God once again. What a great blessing it is that we are able to come together and to open the word of God and see and study and know without a shadow of a doubt what God's intentions are for us as mankind. We are beginning a series of studies tonight concerning um, God. We'll make sure that was up there. Um, And it will be, uh, I don't know exactly how long it will go, Um, but I am hoping that we will Continue to study the attributes, that's my intent, of God and who he is, what he is. Why believe tonight is why the God of Christianity? Why do we believe in the God of Christianity? In the world, you know from history and from other things, there are many gods and many different beliefs. But tonight, I want us to begin this series of study to be able to know the God of Christianity. Tonight, I want to present some reasons why we should accept New Testament Christianity as opposed to all the thousands of different beliefs in the world today. You say, well, preacher, I, all of us here tonight, we, we believe in God, and we believe in Christianity, and we believe in the one Lord and one faith, and one baptism out of Ephesians 4, but why? To reassure ourselves. And we have multiple generations that are in this gathering tonight that need to be reaffirmed of that and need to be taught and they need to hear we as parents discuss those things and to reassure them that there is a God and there's only one God. And that's why we go and we take on these these studies. How do we do this? How do we establish the faith of a Christian? Now think about that. How do we become to know young people and older people as well that there is a God and a God of Christianity? How do we establish that faith of a Christian. Now, in this study and in this series, I don't want to be in a real big hurry. I want us to to take it slow and to understand it and turn in our Bibles. Now, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles. There's a lot of scripture tonight that I want us to go and look at, and we'll reference some of that. And turn in those Bibles to read it for yourself, not just because Matthew Scoggins said that it's there, because all scripture is given by what? The inspiration of God. Everything in this Bible is the word of God. You see, error comes from man and not of God. When man gets involved in trying to fix things and do things, we mess it up. Every, anything. Anything that's like you asked me, me personally, anything I, I try to do, I mess it up. I am not a carpenter. I don't do things. I told you I built a dog house one time, the dog wouldn't even sleep in it. That's how bad it was. I guess he was afraid. Even in religion, when man gets involved in religion and starts saying, this, well, this is what I think. Well, this is what I want to see. He starts messing things up. This is the word of God. And we truly believe that it is our guide to heaven. So how do we establish the faith of a Christian? To do this, we'll examine two points, two things. We want to look, number one, at Jesus Christ and that Jesus claimed to be the Messiah for all of mankind. Now notice this, if we can validate that, and we will, if we can validate that claim, and we will, we reject all other world religions. Just that simple. So after this, I want us to briefly mention some of the world's, and I'll mention some tonight some of the, if I get to them, some of the world's prominent religions and note what they teach about their God and their books of faith. And with that, we will be be ready really to begin who God is and start getting into the character and the omniscient and presence and and all that of God and understand God even better. Because when you understand God, you know how to serve him better. And when you understand what God has said, you want to serve him. So tonight, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Now, I put all these scriptures up here because there was a bunch of them. And I always get from people that say, well, you move too fast or you set them too fast. And I don't get them. And I don't get them written down. So I made this PowerPoint just for that. Is Jesus Christ the Son of God? If it can be established that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and such our Savior, now notice this, in, in, in this important point, then the Bible is true and as we've already stated, all other religions are to be rejected as false. So I want us to take a few moments to notice the significance of our Savior. Jesus Christ. How do we accomplish this? We do it in the same way that we establish the Bible to be a work of Jehovah God. By examining how remarkable the Bible is. So consider these things. Prophecies toward Jesus. Now, there are over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus Christ. There's a lot. There are a lot of prophecies concerning our our Lord. Now, with that said, you look at those prophecies, and what I've done is I've created an arrow to where that prophecy was what? Fulfilled. Remember, we have the Old Testament and we have the New. Over 300 prophecies of whom Christ was gonna come and what he was gonna do and who he was gonna be. And it's a great, great study for us to be able to go and look at at these things. we've already established and we know the power of prophecies. We've looked at them through our study in uh, our Wednesday nights classes. We've looked at them through the study of of Sunday morning classes in our our Bible studies at uh, 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. But let's notice some prophecies about our Lord. When you go to the book of Micah in chapter five, in verse two, notice this first prophecy. In chapter five, Micah writes in verse two, but thou Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from old and from everlasting. So in the book of Micah in chapter 5 and verse 2, we see that Bethlehem is prophesied as a place out of which a ruler from Judah, for who? Israel would come. Now, this is Micah hundreds of years before. Go over to the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew in chapter 2, <clears throat> in verses 1 through 6, notice what the book in the New Testament of Matthew reads. Now when Jesus was born, where? In Bethlehem of Judea. As in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the, the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born King of the Jews, for we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Notice that reference back to the prophet of Micah and other prophets as well. So you move on down. And actually you see in Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 through uh, actually verse 6. It goes on through verse 6 there um, where it says, and and Bethlehem is the land of of, uh, Judah or Judah art thou least among the princes of Judah for out thee shall come a governor that shall rule or be shepherd of my people Israel actually goes through verse 6. We actually see Matthew 2 and 1 through 6 quotes the verse that we just read, don't we? So you move on down the list and it says, well, Micah says this, but what does, what does the book of Genesis in chapter 12 uh, have to say concerning these things? So let's go to the book of Genesis in chapter 12 and verse, uh, chapter, or verse 3 And it says in verse three of Genesis chapter 12, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now who is he talking to here? It's the call of Abraham, isn't it? He said, and Abraham is known as the father of all what? Nations. And he says, through thee and through thy seed, through that promise and that covenant and all those things working together, he says, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. Now, another one here, Isaiah. <clears throat> when you go to the book of, of Isaiah, in chapter 11, in verse, uh, verse 1, it says, let's go there and read that. Now, we're looking at two prophecies here. Chapter 11 of Isaiah and verse 1, Genesis 12 and verse 3 through Abraham, verse 1 of 11 and Isaiah says, and there shall come forth a rod, a shoot, in other words, out of the stem or the stock of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots and it shall bear fruit. Now we see here that out of Genesis there and Isaiah 11 and 1, we see concerning his lineage. If you go into the book of Matthew in chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3, you can trace the lineage of Christ, the Messiah, the one we're talking about tonight, all the way back to and all the way back to these men that we're talking about tonight and that we're mentioning in these verses. We won't take that time tonight to go and trace the lineage, But the lineage most certainly is what? It's important, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like our family trees. How many of you have traced your family tree? How many of you went back and said, I don't want to go too far back on mine. I'm afraid of what I'll find out. Uh, Some of y'all enjoy that. Uh, The far as I can remember and been alive, I don't want to know no more than what I already know, Uh, especially on one side of my family. Um, but it's important, isn't it? It's interesting where we came from, where do we you know we as Christians and where are, is this Christ, this Messiah coming from? So we see that, don't we, through the tracing of these prophets. Now you go on over in Isaiah, or back in Isaiah actually to chapter seven in verse 14. It says therefore, the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Now watch it. This is what everybody's going can remember and jump on right here. Right? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. In other words, what? God be with us. A prophecy right here of of jesus now go to the book of luke in the new testament in luke chapter one in verse uh, verse 27 notice the connection and as you're turning i'm having to turn too so some people are quicker than others Now you go to Luke chapter 1 in verse 27. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And what were they told later on? You bring forth a son and you shall name him Jesus. Jesus. And you go on and read that and you see the birth of Christ. The one that was born of a virgin. So when you go back to the Old Testament, so let's go back to the Old Testament, back to the book of Deuteronomy, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Now stay with me. Don't get tired yet. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15. Says the Lord thy God will raise unto a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him ye shall hearken. Now you notice here, reference to whom? Our Messiah, isn't it? Jesus Christ Christ and Moses, the leader of God's people. So you take Isaiah and you take Deuteronomy here 18 and 15 and a prophet like Moses, he says, will be raised up like me. And then you go back over into the New Testament and and we know the difference between the old and the new and the old was sealed and nailed to the cross when our Lord was, was crucified and he gave his life there and he sealed it and that new way came. But we're seeing hundreds of years before Christ, these things are being said. Now go to the book of Acts, as you can read, Acts chapter three. And notice with me what it says. In Acts chapter three and verse 22 and 23. For Moses truly said unto the fathers of prophets shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, Him shall ye hear in all things whatever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed among the people. You see the connections. You go on over in chapter 7 of the book of Acts, in verse 37. It says, this is that Moses, speaking of Christ, which said unto the children of Israel, a prophet shall be Lord your God, raise up up unto you of your brethren, like unto me him shall ye hear. You see the correlation between the old hundreds of years before and then in the New Testament is coming true and and the writers of the New Testament are, are putting these things down. You see, these things just don't happen by chance. These things, the coming of Jesus Christ and the coming of who God is and the understanding the Godhead of God himself and and his son and the Holy Spirit, all these things did not come just by taking and pouring them out of a bag. It was God's divine nature, wasn't it? It was God's processing and God's thinking and his, his uh, uh, thinking and processing way above what we can ever, what we can ever try to comprehend. But you see the connection in Isaiah chapter 40. And you see where it says there, And let's see, in chapter 40, in verse uh, verse 3, go with me there. Verse 3 of chapter 40 says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness prepare you the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What's this a reference to? John who? The Baptist. Now notice the connection over in the New Testament. Go to the book of Matthew in chapter 3. And notice what John writes about this. In Matthew chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3, in those days came who? John the Baptist, preaching where? In the wilderness. What did it say back in, in Isaiah? One that would come preparing a way in the wilderness, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Verse 2 and saying, Repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is that he was spoken of by the prophet of Isaiah, saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his pay his path straight. Exact quote, didn't it? Hundreds of years later. You see, people want to test the Bible and say, Well, it's it, it's written by, by man. Well, yeah, you're right. These men who wrote these books in this Bible were men. But you need to understand that these men was inspired. They were guided by the Holy Spirit and God himself to write these things. The Bible is inerrant, but mankind and human uh, people are error and that's where the problems come and it's where things get mixed up. But tonight in this study, as we're connecting things from Old Testament, hundreds of years before, to the New Testament, it should give a new value to you that this is the Word of God and that it's true. There, there's, no, there's no man, no, no company, no whatever that could make these things happen and no other person that can make them happen and come to uh, fruition like we have read and like we know than God himself. Nobody else. There's no other way. So you see, in the book of Zechariah, we have a reference there over to Matthew 21. Let's just go on over to Matthew for time's sake. and you may already have referenced uh, Zechariah. But you go over to the book of Matthew in chapter 21 in verses one through five. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage and to the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples. Now this is where he's gonna come riding in, right? And he said unto them, go into the village over against you and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt uh, uh, with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you shall say the Lord hath need of them and straightway he will send them. And all this was done that it might be what? Fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell your daughters of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon a donkey, and a colt, a foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. You go back and you reference Zechariah 9 and verse 9. It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing. Psalms 22 and verse seven, you can go into Matthew 27 and verse 43. And it says to us in verse 43 of Matthew 27, he says, he trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. And you go and reference Psalms 22 and verse seven, same thing. But now I want us to go to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah because I really want us to, to look at this one very closely. Isaiah 53, and you know where we're going. I've got notes and underlines all over this passage. Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 12. The Lamb of God becomes a man and look on the, the emphasis on pronouns here as we go through this. Christ's suffering. Can we all agree tonight that Christ came and died upon the cross? Sure we can. We can all agree with that. People talk about the cross all the time. They wear it around their neck. They put it in their yards. You go through Smith County. They got them all over there. But you know what? It's not about the cross. It was what was done on the cross for mankind. Now, starting in verse 4 of Isaiah 53, Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened, openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment and who shall declare his generation for he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgressions of my people was he stricken. He was taken in the oppression and judgment. He was taken away. And as for his generation, who among them considered that he was cut off of the land of the living, and he or they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit found in his mouth. But yet, notice this, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. And shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of what? Many. And made intercession for the transgressors. John chapter three and verse 17, "For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. And it was foretold hundreds of years before. Mark chapter 15, in verse 3 through 5, speaks of that same instance. And in Mark 15, starting in verse 3, the chief priest accused him of many things. Now we're back in the New Testament. Hundreds of years later, accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee? But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. It says the same thing that we read over in Isaiah, didn't it? Open and Openeth not his mouth. Psalm 16, 8 through 10 is another one. And we won't reference this tonight. You can go and look at it on your own. But is Jesus Christ the Son of God? We've looked at all of these different things tonight, these different verses. And to my knowledge, none other, no other man has ever made these claims. When you go and look at it and study it. Just for a second, think about this. Consider the odds of all of these prophecies being fulfilled by one person. But that one person without a coordinator. Think about that. Coordinator what? Coordinates, doesn't it? Make sure things happen in a certain way. The fact is that there was a coordinator. And even with that, we have covered his impact on the mission he accomplished. And every statement of prophecy that we have read tonight concerning that anticipated Messiah, all other possibilities were eliminated Of that detail. You know, when we very begin, he's talking about the coming of the tribe of Judah. You know what that meant? He could not come from any other of the 11 tribes. That's what that meant. It specifically said he was coming from the tribe of Judah. There was no other option because God is the true God, God is the coordinator. When David was chosen and all other descendants of Judah were eliminated, when David was chosen as the seed and it would come through that lineage, all other people were eliminated. The number of individuals who could fulfill the need was continually, through prophecy, being reduced with each prophecy that was made. It started out in this wide vast that that it could have went either way but as God the coordinator put it all together if you can imagine it it starting this wide but it came down and down and down and down and down and down till it all come together the way God wanted it to come. The claims that this Jesus Christ, the son of God, You see, to understand who God is, to understand why the God of Christianity, you have to understand who Jesus is as part of that Godhead. They're all three in one. Jesus Christ, God, and Holy Spirit himself. Three entities, but one. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. And we're going to close here just in one moment. And we won't get to all these claims. You can see them and write them, write them down. <clears throat> but you look at John chapter 1 and verse 1 through 4. Notice this passage with me. The inspired word of God. John is, is the gospel according to John, he's writing here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And that light, if you go on, that shineth in darkness, and and, and the darkness comprehended or apprehended it not. If you go on and read verse six, I encourage you to do that. Go on and read verse six and and the rest of that. Because notice what verse six says. It was a man sent from God, whose name was John, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, and that light being who? Jesus Christ, the Son of God. You go on down, and you're going to see it was not born, and the Word was made in flesh and dwelt among us. The Word there in John chapter 1, meaning Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word, if we replace replaced that, that, that word their Word, with the, the, name, the word Jesus, the name Jesus, we could say was, was, the, was Jesus, and Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. So, to understand who God is and why the God of Christianity, you have to understand again, most certainly, who Jesus is. So, we'll stop there tonight. And we'll pick up next week with the next two claims Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What did he do? What did this great Messiah do? He left the throne of heaven. was it made by choice. He left the comforts of heaven beside his father, which he is back at the right hand as we speak. But he came here and was made flesh. He lived upon this world. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, and he sinned not. But you know what? He was sent for you and for me. We said, what do you mean for me and you is that through that Messiah, that Savior, that Emmanuel, God be with us. through the blood of Christ, you and I have hope of heaven through baptism, serving him faithfully being baptized for the of your sins and the blood of Christ. See, this whole study goes way much deeper, way much further on to understand who Christ really is and what he did for you. One day he's coming back. He's coming back to take his church, the one he spoke of in Matthew 16 and 18. Upon this rock, Peter, I'll build my church. That church. He's coming back to take his bride. It's often referred to as a bride. And he's going to, and, and, and God's going to tell him. He's going to said, you, "You go get your bride. You go get the church, and you bring it home." One day he's going to say, "They've they've suffered enough. It's not this will that we would suffer, but they they've made the journey. Go get them and bring them home." I long for that day. But for us to be able to go home and be with the Lord, we must first become a Christian. Be baptized for the remission of our sins and live faithfully. This morning I challenged you to have a spiritual restoration. Just as the people uh, in our text this morning